All right, guys. Are you guys tired of seeing me up here yet? You, you will be. You will be by the end of August. Because <laughs> I'm preaching next month. Um, I'm tired of being James. I want to be me again. Um, all right, guys, so let's make our way back in here. I still see there's some clinking and clanking, but... So for the past several weeks, we've been discussing the topic of leadership, biblical leadership, um, and what that looks like in contrast with, with secular or worldly leadership. Pastor James has been going over several things in the past few weeks, the past four weeks. Um, in the first week, we talked about biblical leaders and following the obvious example set for us in Christ, always focused on glorifying God. Disciplined in prayer, self-controlled, always ready to teach, and his ultimate legacy in the body. As opposed to um, what you see in a a church nowadays um, with like a businessman, James used the term CEO, um, type leader. Um, We're to follow the heart of Christ. The next week we went more in depth and explored that a leader must reflect a proper character. Hospitable, willing to teach again, willing to learn, nonviolent, etc. All these things that um, reflect a proper character um, that challenge us to grow in our own lives, but also um, as well as, as examining what we might um, have previously thought a good leader is outside, um, outside, but especially inside the body of Christ. And the next week we talked about rethinking whatever preconceived ideas we might have as far as the skills a leader must possess, um, the skills they have, whether um, naturally um, or learned. Being a leader is more than just being a good speaker, being ultra-charismatic. Um, God's put, God puts people into leadership roles and positions, and the Holy Spirit works within the weakness so that as leaders we can be come and do exactly what we're supposed to do for God. You can be a good leader even if you think that you're not prepared, Um, even if you think you don't have the skill, as long as as you're following God and working um, for Him. And then last week we talked about calling and how to discern calling, um, how to discern God calling you into a specific office or position of leadership, leadership, and also understanding that our very nature as followers of Christ, is to be leaders um, inside and outside the body of Christ. So this week we'll go um, a little in-depth. We'll go Adam in-depth, as I've dubbed it, (laughs) Um, in understanding another facet of being uh, a godly leader. And that is that a godly leader is accountable and invested to community. Leaders outside of the context of our worldview, of God, Um, leaders of this world might concern themselves with profits profits, um, or other material things. They might be guilty of oppressing those that are under them. They might feel like they're completely um, absolved in the mundane tasks and work of the mere peasants beneath them. (laughs) Um, Or that they're only in a position because it's the next step in reaching um, their ultimate status of whatever they're striving for, you know, the next echelon, climbing the corporate ladder or whatever it may be. Leadership outside its proper context um, 
is, is sort of a slippery slope, is a slippery slope into selfish ambition, into glorifying self and rejecting the true and beautiful nature of the calling. Both, again, both the unique calling of being in a specific position, like, like an elder, and the universal calling of making disciples and how we're called to be leaders in that. Um, but inside the context of God, and what scripture lays out, we see a complete reversal of what it has become synonymous with today. Or rather, what it has become synonymous today is a reversal. An inverted truth of what a proper leader under God looks like. So, biblical godly leadership is seen and measured in terms of impact upon relationships and service to people. And so those are the two, um, two points that we're going we're gonna to go over with today. Um, quick disclaimer. I think I was talking about it in my, in my cell group earlier this month about a Mel Gibson movie. Um, we Were Soldiers, and I was using that um, as an example. Well, I was thinking about it like all week long when I was you know, studying and stuff, and so you're going to see two clips from the same movie this week. So, that's fun. Um, in, in researching what I actually wanted to use, I came across another theme of good leadership in that movie. So, if you haven't seen the movie We Were Soldiers, see it. It's graphic, so be warned. It's a war movie. It's about Vietnam, so um, be, be prepared for that. It's like intense, but it's a great movie. So anyway, service. It was mentioned earlier this month, um, maybe a couple times even, but again, uh, a leader is always submissive first to God. Everything they do is for the benefit and glory of God. There's no personal or selfish um, claim to any achievements or accomplishments. I did this all on my own, or this was all me, or you know, whatever self-lifting thing that you hear nowadays, that, that doesn't exist in our worldview, period, when it comes to leadership. God is first and foremost always the reason and always the target for our accomplishments, and so it's within that framework of serving him first that we, we do these things, that, that we, we think about leadership. Um, after that, as I said earlier, comes his church, comes community. The Greek word I'm going to botch this, so forgive me. Diakoneo um, is used almost 40 times within the New Testament scripture. And it's where we draw the term deacon from. So deacon or diakoneo meaning literally to serve. And in scripture it's used in a multitude of ways or in reference to multiple types of people or positions or um, scenarios even. But it means to serve, to minister to, to, to wait on, like to wait on like an actual waiter, like a server, like that's, it's used in that term, uh, in that um, sense, to supply health and aid, to literally like take care of someone's life, um, or to tend to anything and anyone's interests other than your own. And Christ takes the whole premise of diakoneo and applies it directly to how we should view leadership. Um, within community, and it's recorded in Matthew, and it's recorded in Luke, and it's recorded in Mark, and almost verbatim, um, almost verbatim um, every single time. So Mark 10, um, Christ, Christ says this, 
So Jesus called them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Yeah, so a leader who is a leader who is truly interested in following God and glorifying God is interested in service and is, is grounded in service to community, to those that are around them, to those that are under them. Um, and they are sacrificially seeking that highest, the highest joy of those that they serve. A leader lifts up and takes care of and teaches those around them a leader isn't above or removed from his community like maybe some examples you can think of or maybe some bosses that you have nowadays. But um, they're in and amongst their community, serving. A leader knows what their people need and they work diligently to serve those needs. Um, and so now I'm going to ask whoever's in charge back there, Jacqueline, I guess, to pull up the first clip from... Mel Gibson's movie. This is the one that I stumbled upon. Insane. Insane. I like that scene. This the scene resonates with us um, for a reason, and it's not because deep down we all know that we like a, Mel, a good Mel Gibson movie, or that we like that dude from American Pie. If you recognized him, the soldier. Um, <laughs> but I mean, come on. Like the the imagery is is Christian themed, right? the guy taking care of the feet. Um, what does that remind you of? Um, it's because it resonates with us because that's sort of, that's, it is, not sort of, it is the, the, the same image and level of leadership service that we're given in Christ. Um, and that, yeah, that he, that he showed us. Again, a good leader is always seeking to serve um, the needs of those in his care. He's not looking to win medals, you know? He's not looking to elevate himself, looking to use his position to 
step on those beneath him and, you know, get to where he wants to be, win medals or whatever, as it said, the big strong one there. Um, they're always looking, they take joy, they take joy in their position of, of leadership and opportunity to reflect that example that we're given um, in Christ. I always, um, I just, I was noticing it this week um, in different opportunities of study, um, specifically how Paul expresses himself throughout, like, all of his letters, basically. Um, I don't know if it's something that I've always just sort of taken for granted, because it's maybe in the beginning or towards the end of a chapter or a book that he's, you know, or a church that he's writing to. But just noticing his attitude um, and of his, the position he's been given as a leader in the early church. Um, maybe it's just because my weak brain checks out towards the end of a chapter. I don't know. But I was really noticing it this week and studying. Um, and I wanted to highlight just the attitude of service in his position of leadership that he has. And I just have a couple, a couple verses here. So 1 Timothy, he says this, The purpose of my instruction is that all believers would be filled with love that comes from a pure heart, a clear conscience, and genuine faith. I thank Christ, our Lord, who has given me strength to do his work. He considered me trustworthy and appointed me to serve him, even though I used to blaspheme the name of Christ. In my insolence, I persecuted his people, but God had mercy on me because I did it in ignorance and unbelief. Oh, how generous and gracious our Lord was. He filled me with faith and love that came from Christ Jesus. This is a trustworthy saying, and everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All glory to God. Um, this isn't a guy who's interested in you know, props or something for what he's doing. Um, you see a guy who's extremely humbled and extremely um, vulnerable um, you know, about his past and what he used to be, but extremely thankful to be now on the right path in leading people back to Christ. Um, and it's not just in, in, in this, this chapter, for, for the record. Like I said, if you go back, I encourage you guys to go back and just, I mean, you can almost, you can almost pull up like every other chapter of any of Paul's letters. That's how often he's like expressing um, his attitude, um, his right attitude of servant, service leadership. Um, 1 Corinthians 9.19, even though I am a free man with no master, I have become a slave to all people to bring many to Christ. 1 Thessalonians 2, having so fond an affection for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives because you had become very dear to us. This is a guy that's invested. He's plugged in. He's thankful to be serving. He's not wanting to be disconnected or removed from his job. I mean, literally, his job is to preach Christ to all, for Jew and Gentile. He's, he's extremely grateful and willing and wants to, to the point he doesn't even want people to take care of him in that work. You know, he's willing to forego things if, if it would help people. He's always talking about being eager to see them um, whatever church he might be writing to. He's relentlessly praying for them, glad to be with them, hoping he can come back to them, all 
because he has the right attitude of service and in his role as a leader. He's not bitter or resentful or proud. Well, maybe he's proud. He might be proud, but in a way that's like oxymoronic to the world today. Like he's proud to be in the position he's in for God. He's not proud for any sort of, um, I guess, ambition, like problems. So yeah, sort of oxymoronic in today's valuation of people. He's proud to serve. Like, who's saying that today? Like, even like the military, right? Like, it's a polarizing time to be in the military, and that's where you, you, that sort of phrase and, and, and mentality came from, um, as, as we know it today in, in, our, in our world. But people aren't proud to serve. Like, it's not the attitude you see expressed from really anybody, um, anybody outside the context of following Christ. Um, but as leaders, that's exactly what we're called to be like. Um, we're, we're called to be proud to serve and be willing to serve. Um, Firesmiths, I stumbled across this in Third John. Um, so I wanted to share it. <clears throat> so Third John, caring for, caring for the Lord's workers. I'll just start at the beginning and go to maybe like verse 11. This letter is from John the Elder. I am writing to Gaius, my dear friend, whom I love in the truth. Dear friend, I hope all is well with you and that you are as healthy in body as you are strong in spirit. Some of the traveling teachers recently returned um, and made me very happy by telling me about your faithfulness and that you are living according to the truth. I could have no greater joy than to hear that my children are following the truth. Dear friend, You are being faithful to God when you care for the traveling teachers who pass through, even though they are strangers to you. They have told the church here of your loving friendship. Please continue providing for such teachers in a manner that pleases God, for they are traveling for the Lord and they accept nothing from people who are not believers. So we ourselves should support them so that we can be their partners as they teach the truth. And here's the point of why I'm reading this now. I wrote to the church about this, but Diotrephus, who loves to be the leader, refuses to have anything to do with us. When I come, I will report some of the things that he is doing and the evil accusations he is making against us. Not only does he refuse to welcome the traveling teachers, he also tells others not to help them. And when they do help, he puts them out of the church. Dear friend, don't let this bad example influence you. Follow only what is good. Remember that those who do good prove that they are God's children, and those who do evil prove that they do not know God. <clears throat> so the moral of the story is obviously don't be Diotrephus, right? And don't name your kid Diotrephus. It's an awful name. Um, leading by serving in community is more than just wanting to do what is right. It's putting your money where your mouth is and dying to your own desires and your own statuses and your own pride in order to tend to the needs of those people that are in your care and ushering them to a greater knowledge of who Christ is by the way that you're leading. By emulating him, by emulating Christ in this way, the people that under us or in our care come closer to knowing him. Um, I think this is where I have I have number two clip for you. For you, Jacqueline. <clears throat> this time it's Mel Gibson's turn to be inspirational. The last time I 
love a good movie speech. All right, everyone, check your arms. Goosebumps? No? I got goosebumps on my neck. It's hot, but I still got them. <clears throat> I like that. Um, and sure enough, if you've seen the movie, that's what he does, and it's beautiful the way it's portrayed in the movie. Like, he gets off the helicopter, first boots to hit the ground. The whole thing is over in the battle that they're in, and it's chaos, and he has dead soldiers. Last one to leave. Mel Gibson. It's beautiful. Um, so you guys know that I just recently had, a, had an interview to be in a leadership position, um, to be a district manager. Um, didn't get it for the record, for those of you that don't know. It's okay. I'm in a good headspace about it. But they asked me, how would I, they asked me a question, you know, it's a basic enough question, but how would I um, lead employees who are struggling and um, are stubborn or are, are whatever, you know, employees that are tough, tough employees. And I gave some long-winded answer and less beautiful than Mel Gibson gave. But yeah, in my experience and with what I know, or yeah, with what I know and in my experience in, in the work, work field, okay, the best leaders are the ones that that are there with you in the trenches. And you've probably heard me say that a lot this month um, in my cell group. But the best leaders are the ones that you know are standing next to you in like the thick of it, are not above getting their hands dirty, are willing to be there, um, even if it's completely outside of what they're supposed to be doing, right? Um, and that, that's always stuck with me personally, like in my you know, relatively short career or whatever, but those people who you knew were out there too, even if you didn't physically see them, but you knew were out there because that's who they demonstrated themselves to be, um, serving right alongside with you. And um, yeah, I really, I really like it. And I, like I said, I gave them some maybe sloppy, probably, I don't know, I kind of just spoke openly, but spoke about that. Um, about leading in that way, and you know, small small gestures even go a long way. When you're out there and you're working hard and you're sweating, and even something as small as your your boss or whoever offers to buy you like a Gatorade or something, it's like, wow, they showed enough in, enough investment in me and were with me at least enough to know that this is something that I needed or could benefit from. Like even small gestures like that, like. I don't know about you guys, but they, they really stick with me, and they last, and I always thought to myself, like, 
within my like industry or whatever, you know, and the, the job that I'm in, that if I ever got to that kind of position, like that's the exact kind of person I would want to be, and that's the exact kind of person that we're shown, obviously. So it resonates for a reason. It's not for no reason that something like that sticks with me or sticks with you as, or has stuck with you. Um, but it's the it's the same it's the same um, quality of leadership that that Christ show, showed us. Um, and that the early church leader showed us. So my question, and this isn't me ending it, but my question to you, midpoint here, are what lengths are you willing to go in your leadership? Paul's quality of leadership, most of the apostles, in fact, Christ himself, was that they were willing to die in their, their, their quality and their level of service to the people in their care in order to serve God's God's purpose, in order to bring people to know him. So I challenge you to think about your quality of of service and and how you lead people and how you demonstrate yourself to people. Um, Yeah. Another way of of a godly leader is another way of how a godly leader is accountable and invested in community is their participation in discipleship. As leaders in whatever capacity we're in, so again, like whether we're in an official office of leadership, you know, or in our, in our jobs or, or whatever, or whether it's just people that are in our care, you know, that we're responsible for and we can help usher them into a, a, a better knowledge of, of Christ. So whatever capacity we're leaders in, we need to make sure that we're not having an attitude of checking the box, Right? I did that, so I'm good. They saw me there, so I'm good. You know, that's not that's not how we're called to be. We don't respond to relationships in this way, and we shouldn't. And quite honestly, like, I'm sure we're all kind of guilty of that on some level. Like, I know I am. You know, you go to this thing because it would be good, but you're not actually present or invested, and you don't take the opportunity that's been given to you to um, invest in a, in a relationship. I'm guilty of it myself, big time. Like, big time. Um, we have to work against that, especially with, especially with unpleasant people, right? People that aren't necessarily fun to be around or are hard-headed family members or something where you're just always clashing. I know that's been a relevant, a relevant topic of discussion um, lately in here. So we have, to be, we have to push through that and use those opportunities and use those relationships in an intentful an intentful way, or use them intently. I don't think intentful is a word. Um, there's an example I stumbled upon that's kind of funny, and um, I wanted to share it with you guys. But um, the example that this author I, I was reading says this. Um, I'll give it my own modern spin because they were a little dated. When we bring a newborn home from the hospital, we don't just sit them down and say, "Welcome to the family, baby." You know, the towels are upstairs. Uh, the Ben and Jerry's is off limits, right? Uh, HDMI 3 for Xbox. Um, what else? What else? Um, make good choices or get bad consequences. And um, breakfast is at 8 a.m. And if you're not down there, then you don't get it. Like, that's not that's not where we're at. Um, I'm using straight up like an insight to Haven in case you guys are wondering. There's a lot of Ben and Jerry's in the freezer. Breakfast is at 8 a.m. And be there or else you don't get it. Okay, but anyways, that's that's. <laughs> 
a godly leader doesn't quit at welcome, welcome to God's house. You know, welcome to what this is and the end and, you know, I've done my job. And community, community as a whole and especially individuals within the community, they need someone to give them guidance so that they can grow. They need active participation, personal attention, and accountability um, is required within relationship. We're not checking a box and thinking we've done our job. Our, our, our starting point, our foundation as leaders is to, be, is to be seeing something through and to be always plugged into those people that are in our care. I, I sort of appreciate, um, oh, let me, let me hold off there. They always are, they're always seeking to develop open and authentic and vulnerable relationships. Again, I would point back to that passage I shared about Paul. You know, he's willing to express himself and say, this is where I came from. You know, like, I was this guy, but now my job is this, and I'm happy to be this, and I'm happy to be this for you so that you can have this. That's the kind of discipleship leadership we should be having, is, it, is an open and authentic and vulnerable relationship with those people that are in our care. They love the people they leave. They don't just use them to, to um, earn medals, or whatever the guy said. Um, they, are, they are in close proximity relationships and discipleship with, with their people. I appreciate this aspect of my boss, again, to borrow from work, but it's really funny to see my boss struggle with this because um, I know he, he sort of, I know he does struggle with it and I can see it often, so, and, and I know he values, like, Adam as a person rather than as an employee to accomplish these means for the company, you know? Um, I know he, he knows that we're not robots, but, like, it's funny, he'll call me up about something and He'll just, he'll just go for it. Like, be talking like, it's, there's not really a hello even. It's just like a, a, a work, pressing work thing that needs attention. And he'll literally, and he's like, you have to know my boss to, to appreciate this because he's the kind of guy that he's thinking like a thousand miles an hour, but his, he can only speak like a hundred miles an hour. Like, he can't speak as fast as he's thinking. And so he like stutters a lot and like trips over his words and and whatever, so it's really funny. So he'll just like start getting going on whatever work thing that whatever, and then he'll, he'll like literally just stop, like it'll go quiet, and he'll go, "How are you? How are you, Adam? How's your morning? Good morning, you know. <laughs> how, uh, how was your weekend? How's Oliver? He asked me how Oliver is, you know, or whatever thing he knew I might have been doing. So it's funny to watch him <laughs> struggle with that because I know that he does value it, but he gets so caught up and you know whatever." It's just really funny. Um, back to discipline, discipleship. Moses says this in Deuteronomy <clears throat> chapter 6. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commands that I am giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you are going to bed and when you are getting up. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Paul, Paul goes on to sort of reemphasize the same exact thing in Ephesians chapter 6 um, when talking about disciplining children, when talking about raising disciples, disciplined disciples. Josh had touched on this point 
I don't know, a couple years ago or something, like, it's true, you did. Um, discipleship means discipline, and, <clears throat> and how polar opposite of what we see today, right? We see today parents who let their kids do or say or be whatever they want. Truth is ever-changing, or there is no such thing as truth at all. Leaders who only are in their positions um, to be molded and shaped by the ever-changing culture. Um, I wrote this. Puppet, puppet men and women. Puppet men and women who are chewed up as soon as, as, soon as um, the status quo changes and they're not willing to comply, or as soon as things, the pressure gets on them and they're not willing to change where they were because of whatever sort of ever-changing political correctness there is today. Um, feelings rule the world rather than the perfect standard that we already have, the perfect standard that we're given in Christ. One of the key words all year long is about being invested, being invested. And that's exactly the model that we're shown, and that's exactly the model that we're supposed to be demonstrating, excuse me, in how we lead people and how we care for people under us. Christ didn't simply tell his disciples to show up at the temple and then he would give a lecture on how to, how to be, you know, how to be leaders and how to, you know, go forth and raise the church. He wasn't so disconnected that he only cared about checking the box and then, you know, I, I'm done. I, I'm the son of God and I came here and I checked the box and boom, I'm done. Um, I was thinking about my math teacher in high school. That's exactly what he did. Like, he did a lesson, and then he was, like, the baseball coach, and so he completely checked out after that, and literally couldn't find him after he gave the lesson. I think Colin might know who I'm talking about. Whatever. That's not who we're supposed to be. <laughs> Christ did life with his people, right? He was sent to be with us and live with us and live amongst us and... and, and um, struggle with all the same struggles that we struggled with. He chose to impart himself and not just his teaching. And he showed that in his life. And it was out of the context of that community between him and his disciples that, that with, with failures and, and victories, um, yeah, with failures and victories, that, that um, we have what we have today, right? Here, we're living proof of their level and quality of leadership. Um, they weren't interested in serving themselves or their positions or their statuses. And that's, that's just where we need to be. That's the mindset we need to adopt and to have as, as leaders. And um, leaders, again, leaders on a micro level, micro versus macro. Isaiah should be able to explain that to you because we covered it in Bible study. Leaders on a small scale and leaders on a big scale. Leaders in a specific calling, right? And leaders to your brother, you know, or your coworker. Um, <clears throat> that quality that, that when, it's, when it's over, you know, that God will close the book on our lives and he'll be reflecting, he'll be reflecting on our, our quality of leadership and, you know, he'll say, well done. Well done. So I want to, I want you guys to continue to think about that, continue to think about all these things we've been talking about this last month, as far as what you thought a leader was, what you've learned a leader is, what um, you want to be as a leader. So here's my questions for you guys. I have seven of them. <laughs> How are you invested in being a leader in the church 
small c, so the church, and, and in the church, big C, you know, the bigger picture. What is your attitude of service? Do you delight in serving, or are some things beneath what you're willing to do? So, vulnerable, right? Be honest about that. What do you guys struggle with in that? Even with unpleasant people, how can you be better at being a leader toward their spiritual growth? Are you in active discipleship, in an active discipleship role with somebody? Why or why not? Are you in one because you're leading someone in, in their spiritual growth? And or are you in one because you want to learn how to be a better leader toward that end? When you think of the people who you would view as in your care, is your attitude not Mel Gibson's? Is your attitude Christ's? Is your attitude first boots on the ground, last one's off? Um, no one left behind. What have you accomplished as a godly leader and why did you accomplish it? I think that's an important follow-up question. What has the quality of your leadership been to people, and what will God say about your quality of leadership when you reflect, and when he reflects back on it? So, these are the things we can discuss in our cell groups. Thank you. It's hot up here. <laughs>